So you just experienced a very artistic and creative telling of one of Jesus' most important and powerful stories, the parable of the prodigal son. I encourage you to read it right out of Scripture on your own sometime this week. It's in Luke chapter 15. But in the story, as you just saw so brilliantly portrayed, the prodigal thinks that life would be better, a lot better, without his father. To, to be blunt, he wants all of his father's stuff. He just doesn't want his father. And then Jesus unfolds the story. The father gives him his inheritance. He squanders it. His life crashes. And then in the mud and in the pig pen, he thinks of all he lost. He realizes how wrong he was about the father. He realizes how wrong he was in his choice. He realizes that he was looking for freedom, but he chose all the wrong ways to find it. And worst of all, he concludes he can never get it back. I mean, he thinks that he has experienced a failure that is final, that he is forever left with this messed up life, lost in guilt and regret and brokenness and loss, so far from where he belonged and with no hope. Which in the end reveals his problem in the beginning, the whole reason he ran in the beginning. His problem was he never really knew or understood the Father at all. If he'd understood the Father, he'd know that life wasn't better without the Father. Life was possible because of his Father, but he blew it, and there he was, thinking it was forever. But in the end, he gets to know the Father, the Father's real heart. In the end, he was welcomed home, not as a servant, not as a second-class citizen, but as a son. You know, robe and ring, and my favorite part, party. And the reason my favorite part is the party is because, look, you can forgive someone and let them off the hook and do all that stuff, but kind of things are still tense. But if you're throwing them a party, you're for real about forgiving them, and that's what goes on here. His failure wasn't final. His failure was a setup to experiencing everything the Father wanted him. And we need to know here in the 21st century as we celebrate Easter together in such high fashion that this story is relevant for each and every one of us because it's our story with God. Jesus isn't telling the story of some faraway person out there. He's telling a very personal story, our story with God. Because you see, God the Father has given us everything, and we've all messed it up and mishandled our lives. We've, let's use the words of the story, we've all gone prodigal, every single one of us. Look around, prodigal, 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 really bad prodigal, prodigal, prodigal. We've all gone prodigal, and by nature, just like this prodigal, none of us really know or understand God. It's why we run in the first place. It's why we think His truths are going to ruin our lives instead of make our lives. It's why we think walking with Him robs us of pleasure instead of it being the foundation of pleasure. 
I mean, we just don't understand God. But as the Easter celebration makes so clear, it just doesn't have to stay that way. We don't have to stay where we are. We can experience everything that God originally created us for. We just have to choose it. So here's the truth, if we're going to get there, that Jesus unfolds in this story. It's the truth that relates to each and every one of us. We've all run away from God. Every single one of us has that in common. We've all run away from God. None of us has something over the other. We've all run away from God. The difference is that not all of us have yet returned. So we've all run away, but not all of us have returned. Look at Isaiah 53, 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Yes, that's our common reality, but too many of us are still with the prodigal in the mud and in the pig pen and guilt and shame and regret and remorse and conflict and anxiety and insecurity and feeling worthless and insignificant and feeling as if our failures are final. It's time we return. This story isn't so much about the running away. That's common to all of us. This story is about the opportunity to go home. And that's the choice we get to make on a weekend like this. Now, if we're going to ever really make the choice to go home, then we have to, I think, dig into the psychology of why we ran in the first place. Why did we run? And Jesus tells us this very clearly in this story through the prodigal. Why did the prodigal run? Because he believed the lie that his life would be better without God, without the Father. And that's why we run. We think his truth is holding us back. His truth is keeping us down. It's impossible to experience the best of life while living for God under his regulations. And it's just a lie. And it's the lie that the evil one has always told. Read the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis 1 through 3, Adam and Eve were given paradise, everything they needed, including the great gift of not being machines and automatons and robots. They were created in the image of God, but to be created in the image of God, you have to have free choice. And so in the midst of paradise where they had everything they needed because they had a relationship with God, God put a tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's a tree they didn't need. It was a tree that represented free choice. And God said, don't eat that. The minute you eat that, you've decided life is better without me. And what you'll learn is that there is no life without me. And then the serpent came, the evil one, and said, you know why God doesn't want you to eat that tree, right? It's because he knows when you eat that tree, you won't need him anymore because you'll be just like him, knowing good and evil. What's Satan saying? Your life will be better without him. And what did they do? They bought the lie, and they realized how bad the choice was. And we do the same exact thing. But one of the things that kind of affirms the choice on the beginning, and you see it in the life of the prodigal here, is that when we decide to believe the lie that life would be better without God and we make the choice to turn away from God and to turn our own direction, that journey always starts gloriously. I mean it starts gloriously. The adrenaline of the moment, the pleasure of the moments, the minute you go, God told me not to do this, I did it, but life is so great right now. That's what happened to the prodigal. He had his inheritance, he met friends, he had 
pleasure. He experienced life as he thought it would be. It started gloriously. <laughs> but it always ends tragically. Adam and Eve had the adrenaline of the moment. Look what we did. And then it was like, look what we did. They lost everything. The prodigal lost everything. And our story is the same. When you walk away from God, you lose everything because he's the source of everything. Looking for peace, he's the source. Without him, you never find it. Looking for love, he's the source. Not pleasure, not moments of intimacy. He's the source. Walk away from him, you don't have it. Looking for security, looking for value, looking for significance, he's the source. Walk away from him, you don't have it. Walking away from God always starts gloriously, but it always ends tragically. You can't reverse those facts. It's what Jesus is telling us in the story. But some of us in our arrogance are right now in our journey with the prodigal on the way away from the Father into the beginning stages of pleasure, and we're saying it's glorious. Some of you are looking at choices right now that you think, oh my gosh, I know it's wrong, but I think that's the way to true glory. And you're on that path, and you're going, this isn't going to end tragically. This isn't going to end tragically. I am telling you right now, it always ends tragically. You'll regret it. Most of us are already in the regret. And there in the regret, this prodigal, as Jesus told the story, just stays with the pigs. I mean, he has a father who loves him. He has a father he knows and go back to. He's thinking about the father. He's rehearsing it. My servants, my father's servants. I'm a son. My father's servants have everything they need, and I've got nothing. My father's servants have everything they need, but I've got nothing. He says, maybe I could go back and say, I know I'm not worthy to be a son, but would you maybe take me back as a servant? And he's debating this, and he doesn't think it's true. Do you know why so many people who've run away from God, they've realized they bought a lie, their life's a mess, they're living in guilt. Do you know why they don't return back home? It's because they go from believing one lie, life's better without God, to believing another lie, God doesn't want you any more. He didn't think his dad wanted him anymore. Didn't want him as a son. Didn't want him in his place because he was a failure and his failure was final. The reason so many of us live in our agony and our shame and our guilt, live in our loneliness and feeling insecure and as if we're not worthy of anything, live in a place of no hope and stay there is because we believe the lie that God doesn't want us, God won't accept us, that our failure is final. But in this story, and remember this isn't my story, it's Jesus' story, he's telling us a reality about God we need to understand because all of us have run. All of us have blown it. All of us have mishandled our lives. But the reality about God is he still wants us. He'll still accept us because he loves unconditionally. The cross of Jesus Christ is the ultimate proof that God loves us unconditionally. Because you see, the cross of Jesus Christ is where the one who never sinned, who earned God's favor, suffered death in payment for our sin, in our place, was buried and rose again so that he could give us what we could never get back ourselves. Once again, a relationship with God the Father. God so loved the world he gave his son. He loves unconditionally. That's what Jesus is telling in this story. And he's not just loving in general. 
You can go, yeah, he loves unconditionally, but you know how you live. You beat yourself up all the time for your failure. You beat yourself up all the time. You're living in the pig pen, and you don't think. Uh, here's how I am. I failed so many times in the same way and come back and asked him to forgive me that I get to the place where I go, I think he's done forgiving. Have you ever gotten there? Why would he want me to come back again? And I can't answer that question because that's not how I'm wired, but it's how he's wired. He loves you no matter where you've been, what you've done, how bad you think you are, how much other people have dismissed you. He loves you unconditionally. That's what we're here to celebrate. And you know what I really love about this story? Some of us, in fact, all of us, we have unique views of our own self. You know, we look at others and they look like normal failures, but we look at ourselves and we know we're unique failures. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, he loves all those failures, but I'm a special case failure. You know, I, I'm a special case. And we know ourselves from the inside. And the reason this story of this prodigal is so dramatic is because he wants us to understand that he takes a special interest in the special failures. He takes a special interest in us. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save, not what had earned their way back, not the one that had paid their debt, not the one that had renewed the building of trust, but the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was what? I thought since you did so much to get here, you might want to participate, but no? <laughs> the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost, lost. We have a bunch of people down in the overflow areas in the underground and some upstairs in here. I was able to walk through during the prodigal and see them and see you. And, and I heard you down there. I know you screamed that lost thing. And so these people got seats, you didn't, and yet you're screaming down there in joy. I really appreciate it. But the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Look at Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. When we had re-earned his trust, then he did stuff for us. That's not God, that's us. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, in the mud, rejecting him, far away from home, not returning to home, Christ mounted the cross and died for us. That's the love of God. That's the reality about God. You're here to worship a God who loves you unconditionally, who takes a special interest in you no matter what your failures. That's good news. So why don't we go home? Why, why aren't we experiencing God's favor? Why aren't, aren't we wearing the robe and the ring and experiencing the party God has laid out for us? Well, this is what Jesus teaches us in this story. It's the reality about us. See, our problem with God has nothing to do with the reality about God. He loves us unconditionally. He's made the way. He wants us home. He's set up the table. The problem that we have in our relationship with God is about our own reality. And in this story, Jesus tells us the reality about ourselves. And here's the reality. Are you ready for it? I know we like to blame God. We like to blame others. We like to blame circumstances. We like to think that if God had given us what other people have been given, we'd be okay. That's not it. Here's the reality of our problem. The choice is ours. And we keep making the wrong choice. Jesus has made it possible for us to get up out of the mud Get away from the pig pen, 
take a journey home and not be a second-class citizen in the, in the house of God, but to be children of God. He's made it possible, but the choice is ours. We can live with the pigs. We continue to live with guilt and regrets and emptiness and loneliness and loss and without hope. If we choose, we can stay where we are. And you know what hurts me so much is so many stay where they are, some of you. But Jesus made a different choice possible. We can return to God. We can return to the Father. He wants us. He made a way. And we just happen to believe that in this world of bad news, in this world of mud and pigs and guilt and shame and devastation and tragedy and insignificance and despair, we just happen to believe there are a ton of people in a moment like this who are finally to the place where they want to return home. And you can. You don't have to jump through a bunch of religious hoops. You don't have to become all that religious stuff. You just have to come home. And in the story, Jesus tells us how we come home. But you need to know that the life you're looking for, the life that caused you to run away from God in the first place, the pleasure, the fullness, the significance, if you want to experience that better life, you're only going to find it by coming home. You're never going to find it by staying away from home. And so, to come home, Jesus teaches in this story, you have to first recognize the lie. Life's not better without the Father. Some of us are so grieved with and agonized by life, the idea of God just, just messes with us, so we've dismissed the concept that there's even a God. Most people are not atheists because they're so intellectually rational. Most people are atheists because they hate religion so much they'd rather dismiss God from existence, but dismiss him all you will. He's the only one that can give you life and fullness and what you're looking for, and you need to return home. The better life you're looking for is with him. You've got to recognize the lie. Life is not better without the Father. Now, you won't find that in the New York Times. You won't find that in the Washington Post. You won't find that on Twitter, even if Elon Musk owns it. You won't find it there. You're not going to find that on Instagram. You won't find it on Facebook. Sadly, you won't find it in a lot of churches these days. Everybody's afraid to tell the truth. But here's the truth. Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, the only life. And if you want to go to the Father, you've got to go through him. He's the only way. Life's not better without the Father. And if we're going to go home, and I know this is you know, not the smartest thing I could ever say, but if you want to go home, you have to return to the Father. And you say, well, that's really simple. It's really simple, but we don't do it. We stay in the mud, we stay in the pig pen, we stay in the guilt, we stay in the shame, and we don't move. And that's where the prodigal was for a long time in the story. You know, my dad, I, I don't even think he'd make me sad. The servants have it so much better than me. I, oh, my God. He's starving. He's starving. He's starving. He's lost. He's alone. And he's saying, I don't think my dad, I don't think. And finally, he realized I have to get up and go and try. You have to return to the Father. You have to return to Him. You have to get up and go, or your failure will be final, because the choice is yours. If you want to go home, then you have to, when you return to the Father, you have to, and Jesus makes this clear in this story, you have to repent of your sin. 
Now, some of you are guests here, and I'm so glad you're here. It's thrilling that you're here, guests online. And you're going, I knew he'd get to those really religious words before now, you know. Everything was pretty good. Repent, repent. Look at repent. I know it's not a word we use a lot, but it's a word that defines the reality of any one of us who has a relationship. It's a normal word. If you've ever had a relationship that lasted beyond the first mistake, you know what repentance is. And I'll just give you an example. Don't get mad at me. I'm going to do a cliche thing here and all that stuff. But I've been married for 42 years. 42 years. 15 different women. No, that's not true. One woman. <laughs> 42 years. Same woman. Her name's Roxanne. Greatest thing that ever happened to me. But I'm going to tell you, there's no way I'm married for 42 years without me repenting of my sin. I'm telling you that right now. Just so you know what repentance means, it basically means admitting you were wrong, you turned the wrong way, and then turning the right way. For 42 years, she says, you're always wrong, I'm always right. Repent and we'll get along just fine. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. I know it's cliche. Don't get mad at me. I'm just joking. It's true. I'm just joking. A relationship with God is built on a relationship where he never broke trust, but we broke trust. Where he was never wrong, and we've always been wrong. Where he never turned away from us, but we turned away from him. And so to come back... We have to do what the prodigal did. You know what he said? He goes, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I accused you of being my problem, and I was your problem. And I don't even deserve to be a son. Until we can get to that place, we'll never have a relationship with the Father because we'll always be mad at him, we'll always be running from him, we'll always be turned away from him. You've got to repent of your sin. And then, to come home, you have to just receive the Father's love. He's standing there in love right now. He's got the robe. He's got the ring. The table's set for the party. But this is a real problem for us because, you see, huh, we want to feel like we've earned the right. I, with my wife, Roxanne, I want to feel like I'm married 42 years because I've just been that good of a husband and she's just been that lucky to find me, you know? But that's, that's not how it works. All relationships are built on grace, right? Too many of us have turned religion into our way to feel like we deserve God's love. We deserve God's heaven. We deserve God's gifts. We will never deserve them. But Jesus, by dying on the cross, made it possible for them to be given to us. And we have to be willing to stop trying to earn it, stop trying to deserve it, and just receive the Father's love. Look at John 1.12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, that means put their full trust in him, you know, death, burial, resurrection, to those he gives the right to become children of God. Remember? Every single one of us has run away from God, but not all of us have returned home because the choice is ours. What would keep you from making that choice right now? You don't have to jump through hoops. I'm not going to make you come down in front of people. I'm not going to make you raise your hands. I'm not going to put cameras in your face. What would keep you from just saying, Jesus, 
I'm coming home. We're going to end our service with a moment of high-level celebration. You're going to want to stay for it. Why would you want to leave? It's two hours in your car or in here and worshiping with us. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why you'd want to leave. But, but in a moment, we're going to celebrate. But why would we celebrate before you're giving a chance, given a chance to come home? The great part of this story, the great part of the story is he came home and he realized his father loved him. He experienced everything he thought he lost forever. We want you to celebrate that way, but to do it, you have to come home. So just before we move to celebration, would you bow with me in a word of prayer wherever you are, just for a moment? And if you're ready to return to the Father, just take my words and make them yours to God. Just say, in this moment, God, I'm admitting it. I've walked away from you. I've turned away from you. I've done my own thing. I've sinned against you. I've believed the lie. But I believe that you love me, that you died on the cross to forgive me, and you rose again to give me new life. And so by faith, Jesus, in you, I'm receiving your love, your forgiveness, your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, quickly, just before we move to our celebration moment, if you prayed with me, we'd love to give you a New Testament part of the Bible. We'd love to give you some ideas about how to build your relationship with God. We don't want anything from you. We'd like to get it to you. All you have to do is text us. You can see on the screens how. And we'll send you a link. And that link is where you can tell us your name and your address so we can get this stuff to you, and we'll send it to you, and then you can continue to grow in your relationship with God, okay? But here's the conclusion I want you to know. All of us have walked away from God because we were looking for a life we thought was better. But what you need to know is when you come home to God, that's when you discover and experience the life and freedom you were really looking for when you ran away. But Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's why he died on the cross and rose again. John 8, 32, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Not rejecting the truth, but living the truth will set you free. And so what we want to do in concluding this Easter service is we want to do the very opposite of what comes naturally. Instead of saying life would be better without the Father, we want to declare that life is only good with the Father. Instead of saying, I want to be king of my own life, and that's where we'll get freedom, we want to say, no, we want you, the king of kings, to be king of our life because that's where we'll get freedom. We want to worship him, and we want you to do it with us. So before we do, pray with me. Father God, like the prodigal, all of us know what it's like to be lost in the darkness, without hope, without light. But though we lost sight of you, you never lost sight of us. And you came from heaven to show us your love, to forgive our failures, to give us life and hope. So on this Easter, we want to praise you, give you glory, and celebrate you in our lives in this place together. So please receive our worship right now as our expression of gratitude and thanks to you because, because of your great love.
Though we were once lost, we're now found. Though we were once far away with no hope, we, were, we are now children of God. So now, Jesus, in full view of your cross, we who once ran away from you kneel before you as our king and say thank you and worship you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.